again your podcast app is still working properly thank you for downloading and listening to the podcasts my name is ian castleberry and i'm a freelance writer editor and podcaster you can find my work at iancastleberry.com that's c-a-s-s-e-l-b-e-r-r-y and through twitter at ian cass i think we finally have this thing back on track season two of the podcasts okay i'm not calling it that I've only done one episode since what felt like a cruel summer, so I can't get too excited. But I hopped back on the bicycle, started pedaling, and didn't fall. I really appreciate the support and feedback I've received through social media, emails, and texts over the past few days since episode 8 posted. Heard from a couple of people I haven't been in touch with for a while, which was really nice, and maybe they'll be on the podcast in the near future. When I took the plunge into my own podcast, I definitely intended for interviews to be a part of the show and scribbled down a list of possibilities. Some of them are old friends whom I'd like to reconnect with and see how they're doing. What's going on in our lives and careers? Kids? Houses? Good jobs? Bad jobs? So many of my friends and followers have opinions on sports, movies, and TV, and this crazy world we're currently living in. But even without a personal connection, there are many writers, commentators, business people, etc. that would make for great conversation. It's probably not a coincidence that the most listened to podcast is my interview with Scott Russell, co-owner of Asheville comic book shop Pastimes, in episode 6. Above all, though, I'm just grateful that those of you listening didn't just roll your eyes when I said I was starting a podcast. You followed along with my blog that eventually became a writing career, something I'm really lucky to have had. It's been a pleasant surprise to see who's been interested in listening and the support you've shown on both my personal Facebook page and the podcast's page. You can find that at facebook.com slash the podcast, by the way. And if you're checking in for the first time, let me explain that goofy title. I haven't been good at naming things over the years. My blogs were called Fried Rice Thoughts, which was supposed to indicate a mix, and Sweaty Men Endeavors, making fun of what we actually root for in sports. So, the podcast? Yeah, it's a play on my name that I'd been thinking about for a while, like the Castle Bloggy, the unofficial name of my current blog, which also needs a bit of a revival, castlebloggy.com. So the podcast was confirmed to me as a fun name for a podcast by someone who I used to regularly work with, but I'd prefer not to name him or give him credit. He's in a lot of trouble now, bilking and deceiving a lot of people. Fortunately, I wasn't one of them, financially speaking. Even so, those of us who were duped would have plenty of stories to share. And that's enough about that guy. So the podcast a name that podcast directories and lists don't seem to like very much. Good thinking on my part. I haven't read any recent how-to and best practices articles for podcasting, but I'm pretty sure that going so long without new content is not a good way to build an audience. I wouldn't be surprised if some of you gave up on me and unsubscribed. If so, you're probably not listening to this right now. I probably would have done the same thing if I was a listener. I've definitely done that with some podcasts. In July, the New York Times ran an article titled, Have We Hit Peak Podcast? which highlighted the term podfade, something I'd never heard before, 
but was apparently a popular definition for podcasts that quickly went away after launching. The piece focused on one freelance writer, who got savaged on social media the day the article ran, who figured she and her friend would start recording and the advertising revenue would naturally follow. But after only six episodes, they gave it up. What? An advertiser didn't just line up? Huh. The bigger point of the feature was that podcasts are now what blogs were in the mid-2000s. Everybody had one. According to New York Magazine this past spring, there are now more than 660,000 podcasts. I have to give credit to my friends Matt Summer and Mike McClary, who were way out in front on the podcast phenomenon. Matt started his podcast on The Office, that's what she said, 13 years ago. And Mike launched his Detroit Tigers podcast soon after in 2007. I was fortunate enough to contribute to both of them at one time or another. But how many podcasters kept their shows going? The internet is littered with failed dead blogs. Hell, my name is on a few of those. And now it's piling up with shuttered podcasts. Sharing your thoughts because you have something to say. Sounds great. And maybe that provides enough energy for a few entries. And there's also the idea that you could somehow make money doing this. Or become an influencer. I made money from blogging. I probably won't from podcasting. But I'm okay with that. This podcast isn't going to fill a niche. And I know that hurts the appeal. No blog I ever published really did either, unless you say sports is a niche. But I don't care about that. Because I have something to say! No, I just want to tell stories and share opinions. It's a more productive use of my time than playing video games or eating snacks. Then you figure out that producing content takes work. It's hard to keep it going once you run out of things to say. Eventually, the effort doesn't seem worth it when there are so many other things attracting your time and attention. Like work and family. June was a really tough month for me. I suddenly had to find a new place to live. My sister needed help with her kids once the school year ended, and I was the most available option. And I was starting a new job that needed a full-time commitment for me. That didn't leave room for much else. I was flaming out. Where'd you go? I hate the idea that I belong under that pod fade umbrella. It bothers me that anyone might think that I was like the thousands of others who thought it would be fun to start a podcast, but quickly gave up on it, especially when I regularly blogged for years. I certainly understand if that was the perception, though, after going four months without producing a new podcast, or writing very much. I doubt anyone cares about that as much as I do, but it was important to me that I get this podcast going again for a number of reasons. While we're talking about Podfade, I want to talk about another podcast I was doing that can now be added to that pile, the Amusement Park Podcast. I don't know how interesting all of this may be to you, but I'd like to think that some of this could relate to some of your own relationships, personal or professional. Many of you listening may not know I had another podcast, this one with Chris Cox, a friend and colleague I knew from Sports Talk Radio. The amusement park was devoted to pop culture, chatting about movies, TV, comic books, and cultural stuff like cord cutting from cable and satellite, and the increasing number of streaming networks. We could have had some good discussion on that now, but I doubt it would be intelligent enough to satisfy anyone. But I know most of my friends or other people who follow me on social media weren't always interested in that stuff, especially when we tended to get really geeky about superhero movies and TV. Also, there are a lot of pop culture podcasts, so we were never going to stand out. 
Around the same time that the podcast fell into hiatus, the Amusement Park podcast went silent too. And it stayed there. Podfade was setting in. Hey, life gets in the way, and I think that's what happened here. I mentioned what a grind June was for me, and for whatever reason, Chris apparently decided he couldn't do the show anymore. I say apparently because we never actually talked about it. I was ghosted, folks. Had the old Irish exit pulled on me. I don't know what happened, though I could certainly make a few guesses. What's done is done. To be fair, Chris isn't here to tell his side of the story and defend himself, so I should probably leave it at that and move on to the high road. But come on, what fun would that be? The airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. Amusement Park wasn't as good as it could have been, and it was never going to be. There was potential. We had a few fun discussions and hit some timely cultural moments, but I'd often go back and listen, and it was clear there wasn't enough preparation or interest on one side, and it affected the conversation. Chris was new to comic books and superhero movies and TV, and after he was laid off from his radio gig, he texted me questions often about characters and key story arcs to read as his interest in comic book source material grew. And I enjoyed being the explainer and making some use of the geeky stuff that had collected in my brain over the years. Chris and I occasionally talked about doing a podcast, and I think we both missed the conversations we had about pop culture when we would digress from baseball talk on his radio show. I became a weekly guest on his show when I worked at Bleacher Report, and was always grateful that he kept me on as a regular after I left BR and floated around for a while until I landed another writing gig at Blogwin and then Comeback Media. So when I became frustrated and burned out on the work I was doing, and my weekly radio spots around the country were disappearing, I wanted to dive in and do this podcast thing. Between my experience in online media and Chris's background in radio, it felt like we could make something pretty good. But there was too much leaning on what I knew about creating a website and social media channels, and my skills there are limited. And not enough contribution on the other side besides getting our show on various podcasts' outlets. Coming up with a name and logo, launching pages and accounts, and doing research to be informed for the show wasn't a mutual venture. I thought it would eventually even out, but what was supposed to be a creative partnership never really developed, and the podcast suffered for it. And if I ever thought any of this was in my head, I can work up resentment for anyone in any situation if you give me a chance. Feedback from friends through texts, emails, and phone conversations confirmed my gripes. The show had no flow, no back and forth. It was too one-sided. Asking for an explanation or opinion in, say, a text or phone conversation is one thing. But when someone is just asking a question and the other goes on with a long answer to provide enough content to hopefully make the conversation interesting, it's not good audio. It's not good podcasting. And you would think someone who worked in radio would know that it wouldn't be good radio either. The beginning of the end was when Chris wasn't seeing movies that we were building that week's show around. Maybe it was because MoviePass, which he inexplicably kept subscribing to while its business fell apart, wasn't allowing him to buy tickets. Look, I know he's got a demanding full-time job and is raising a toddler, so of course time was limited. But don't tell me that you didn't do your part right before we're going to record. Reading a review and coming up with a couple of questions isn't enough for good discussion. So there were a few times that I just refused to do the show, because I knew it wouldn't be good. 
And soon thereafter, I said that if this wasn't going to change, then we should just shut it down. Shut it down! Shut it down forever! So blame me for planting that seed, I guess. Chris sent me a long text message insisting he wanted to keep it going, that he would make more effort to promote the pod and create content on social media and our website and not leave me hanging for show discussions. That never happened, and it wasn't going to change, which just made me angrier. I'm sure I took some of the fun out of what was imagined as a lighthearted escape, and much like that woman in the New York Times article, I bet Chris really believed we'd become successful and make money just by putting a podcast online. When it became work, though, he bailed. I know I can be a difficult person to deal with, holding people to a standard. Family, friends, former co-workers, roommates, girlfriends, etc. are probably nodding their heads vigorously. Okay, maybe too many of you are nodding. Maybe I was more unyielding than I should have been, but if I need to lighten up, tell me. A full-time job and raising a child? I know that's a lot to deal with. A family emergency was also in the mix that may or may not have been very serious. Maybe even tragic, but hopefully not. But I don't know because I never heard anything about it afterwards. The Amusement Park was a podcast about movies, TVs, and comic books. There are far more important, more serious considerations in our lives. Just acknowledge that. Let's talk about it. It's what friends do. That's what's ultimately disappointing. Be an adult. Don't be a coward. But I don't think we'll ever have that conversation now. And it's time to move on. There's no record of that podcast anymore. I took the social sites down, and it looks like the website wasn't renewed. Maybe you can find old episodes on iTunes or wherever. But who cares anymore? Life is just too damn short for that nonsense. Those of you who did listen, thank you. I wish that podcast could have been better. End of line. Let's take a quick break so I can ask you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You might have to search under my name, Ian Castleberry, C-A-S-S-E-L-B-E-R-R-Y, until we get a few more shows in our archive. Also, please leave a rating, or even better, a review if you're so inspired. We can use the signal boost in that big Apple Podcast space. Any feedback you can offer is very much appreciated, and I don't take that time or effort for granted. The podcast is also available for listening, downloads, and subscriptions on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, iHeartRadio, and there's something called Himalaya now. I'll try to get on that if you use it. Oh, and TuneIn. Being on TuneIn means you should be able to listen to this on Amazon Echo, but Alexa can't quite pick up the difference between podcasts and podcast. Yeah, maybe I should have picked a different name. But you can still find us on the TuneIn app and website if that's how you like to listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening and downloading. Okay, there's one more thing I want to sweep into the dustpan. Earlier I mentioned the job I started in June. I also alluded to it in the last episode. At the end of spring, I took a job with Heavy.com as one of its new NFL contributors as the site was launching a bigger push into sports. The defending Super Bowl champion New England Patriots were one of the teams Heavy wanted to cover, and I was really excited to get that beat. I've always been fascinated by the Patriots, largely because of Tom Brady's Michigan connection. 
He got a raw deal during his four years in Ann Arbor, and don't let any Michigan fans feed you revisionist history on that. I've read several books on Patriots coach Bill Belichick, eager to understand what made him so successful among his peers. What makes that guy tick? So I felt like I knew a lot about the Patriots. Plus, I was just excited to write about football after covering baseball for so many years. I'd written on the NFL in bits and pieces for the comeback and awful announcing, trying to fill in cracks in coverage, but I never really got to dive in. And even though most of my friends and followers winced at me covering a team they hated, pledging grudging support, I couldn't wait. How fun would it be to cover a team that might win another Super Bowl? Well, about that. That didn't last long. I haven't left a job that quickly since I was in college. And I'm embarrassed about it because so many friends and followers were happy for me and supportive. It's certainly not what I intended. I take pride in my job history. I haven't jumped from job to job. I've been loyal to employers, often to my detriment. And I believe in pushing through when things are tough. No situation is going to be perfect. You just realize what you can deal with, and hopefully it helps overcome what you can't deal with. If this was a movie or TV show, there'd be a freeze frame of my goofy face and a voiceover explaining that it didn't quite work out. I apologize for using a vague, corporate-ish term, but this just wasn't a good fit. I didn't fit what they wanted, and their company, its culture, and its model weren't the right fit for me as a writer. I don't believe it's a good fit for most writers, but I hope it works out for the others who were hired at the same time I was. This was my choice to move on, and there are no hard feelings on either side. We even decided to go forward after the opening trial period. I have confidence in myself as a writer and wanted to make this work. But it quickly became obvious to me that it wasn't going to work. Deep down, we probably both knew it, so it's for the best. I'm proud of the work I did. I learned quite a bit about the NFL landscape and relearned how to write quickly and cleanly. I'm grateful to have had the opportunity, and I'm not proud about how quickly it fell apart. I could say that Heavy doesn't really have a plan for its sports coverage. Starting NFL coverage in June, one of the deadest months on the sports calendar, when people are taking summer vacations, one month before training camp begins, put those writers in a difficult situation, especially when you cover a team that doesn't make splashy, controversial off-season headlines like the Patriots. But damn, I would have loved to see what I could do once training camp started. Or when this Antonio Brown shit started. Oh, man. And I do believe that they don't know what they want to do, other than jump on the stories and viral content that generates the most numbers. So I got out. Yes, I realize that's probably most of the internet and online media right now. Maybe I was a bit naive about that, or just so eager to land another sports writing gig, one that involved the NFL, that I looked past some obvious landmines for me. Or maybe I'm just not the kind of writer that can succeed online anymore unless the circumstances are ideal. And there just aren't that many outlets that provide such a situation in existence anymore. 
it might finally be time to try something else and stop running face first into a wall. I've been extremely lucky to be allowed to pursue a writing career and make a living with it for as long as I have. I know that. One of my closest friends has pointed out to me that my skills could be utilized in other lines of work. I just need to open my view to that. Or, you know, this podcast could become a huge hit for me. We're on to Cincinnati. All right, I had other stuff I wanted to get into for this episode, but we're running about as long as I think you and I would both prefer. So I'll save my thoughts on the movies Ad Astra and Rambo Last Blood and the current plight of Michigan football and Jim Harbaugh until the next episode. Oh, and I'd really like to get into that Sports Illustrated feature on former Detroit Lions receiver Calvin Johnson. So we'll be moving in sports focus next time. Consider yourself warned. Let's close with my Y Sports Radio baseball segment from Monday. Unfortunately, we were short on time because football discussions ran long, but that happens, especially to baseball. It's kind of frustrating sometimes, but football drives the sports conversation. Pat Ryan and I talked about the end of the Chicago Cubs World Series contending run, the Boston Red Sox general manager search, and the current lack of parity in Major League Baseball. Three teams have won 100 games. Three more could join them, but four teams have 100 losses. You're either great or you suck. Ian, how you doing, bud? Good afternoon. I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Uh, we're, we're running a little bit behind, so heck, let's get to it. we got some goodies to get to. What in the world has happened with Chicago this weekend, by the way? They have a prime opportunity to make, up, uh, make a run towards a postseason spot. They host the Cardinals for a four-game series. And they get swept by the team. They're chasing the aforementioned St. Louis Cardinals. Where did it go wrong for the Cubbies, Ian? I think it just finally caught up with them. You know, this team has really been living on the edge. You know, even when they won the World Series in 2016, this team has never made it easy. Even winning the World Series, right? It goes, it went to seven games against Cleveland. And I think just the constant uh, falling behind and having to catch up. And being in a grind at the end of the season, uh, we saw that the Cubs, you know, they, they lost the uh, NL Central on the last day of the season last year uh, to the Milwaukee Brewers. And th- I think it just finally gave out. Uh, you know, they've had so many injuries. Uh, Anthony Rizzo tried to come back, which is a credit to him, but uh, it's too little, too late. And worst of all, I think their bullpen issues, the Cubs' bullpen issues, really caught up with them. I mean, it, all four losses to the Cardinals were by one run, and twice they blew ninth-inning leads. Uh, this is just a huge collapse. The Cubs had a three-and-a-half game lead in the NL Central over the Cardinals on August 9th. They're now seven out in the NL Central. They're four out in the wild card. They are done. This is the end of the Cubs' uh, championship run, whatever you want to call it. Since uh, 2015, uh, 2016, I think we're going to be seeing big changes at Wrigley Field after the season. Uh, could one of those changes be uh, Joe Madden, the manager? I'd say that is an almost certainty, yes. I think Joe Madden, he's uh, in the final year of his contract. As you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think it was contingent upon how the, the Cubs finished this season. Well, we've now seen how this is how this has gone. I, I think uh, Theo Epstein is ready to move on. Uh, you know, you might hear some rumblings that the Cubs might be ready to move on from Theo Epstein as well. Ooh. But you know, a lot of people are going to say David Ross, 
uh, going to be the next Cubs manager. Uh, uh, baseball writer John Heyman just uh, reported that he thinks Mark Loretta, who's currently the Cubs bench coach, could be in that role as well. Uh, a friend of mine, Matt Clapp, who uh, who is a big Cubs fan, covers the Cubs, uh, thinks uh, Tommy Hatovi, uh, the, the pitching coach, could be in that mix as well. Well, you know, David Ross has no managerial experience, but obviously he knows the game is a catcher. Catchers tend to be the bright spots um, when it comes to uh, postseason, you know, post-career managing uh, options. How do you think David Ross would do if the Cubs go with him? He, to me, that seems like the guy I would go with. Catchers, as you pointed out, make great managers typically, and being a rookie manager does isn't the red flag that it used to be. We're seeing this all throughout uh, Major League Baseball, you know, maybe uh, most recently or most successfully with uh, Aaron Boone and the New York Yankees. I-, I think David Ross as Cubs manager would be extremely popular with the fan base, and I think he would uh, be uh, in line enough uh, with the front office and not go off on his weird, you know, wine-drinking press conferences and, and, and whatnot that, uh, that Joe Madden likes to do. Uh, I, think, I think David Ross would be a good choice. I wouldn't mind drinking wine with, uh, with, with Joe Madden after a game. That would be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> man, 30 minutes in. Oh, boy, watch how things change. Hey, by the way, uh, how is the Red Sox search for GM coming along? It's uh, it's kind of rough. No candidate has really emerged right now. Um, I think there's some question as to whether or not the Red Sox is a good job right now. There are a lot of big contracts that Dave Dombrowski has saddled the team with. I think that was one reason he was fired. Uh, they have some big decisions coming up with uh, Mookie Betts, uh, whether to assign him to a new deal. J.D. Martinez can opt out of his contract. Are they going to get rid of, of some of these contracts like we've seen uh, with Nathan Eovaldi? There, there are plenty of candidates up for this job. There have been some rumblings that maybe Theo Epstein can make a return to Boston if the Cubs get rid of him. But uh-huh. I, I think the top candidate would be Mike Hazen from Arizona. Uh, he used to be in the Red Sox organization, but I don't think he's going to leave the Diamondbacks. He's got a really good situation there. But either of his assistants, Jared Porter or uh, Amiel uh, Sadei, could be there. If they, they want to go uh, sort of Theo, but not hire Theo himself, Jed Hoyer, the Cubs general manager, uh, Jason McLeod, who was just promoted to more of a, a player personnel role with the Cubs. And then in-house, there's the current uh, triumvirate of Eddie Romero, Brian O'Halloran, and Zach Scott, which could be uh, either of which could be a candidate for general manager and I think uh, Raquel uh, Ferreria, who, who's uh, in the Red Sox front office, uh, very interesting candidate, obviously, because she's female, uh, because she's Latino. But she also has a very good relationship in terms of contract negotiations. She uh, negotiated the contract extension with Xander Bogarts and has a really good uh, relationship with Mookie Betts. And that might be key in making sure that Mookie Betts uh, stays with the Boston Red Sox. Oh, boy, it's getting real up there. We've got just a couple of minutes. Um, I'm going to hold the Andy Green Padres question for Wednesday because the Padres are getting rid of their manager. Uh, we want to find out from you why, and, and the names are being tossed out there. Uh, but we have time okay. enough for parody in baseball. All right, the Royals join the Orioles, Marlins, and your Tigers in the 100 Loss Club. I think that's the first time four teams have lost 100 games in the history of the game. Uh, not exactly a club you want to join, but Ian, the Braves, Twins, and Oakland are on the verge of joining the Astros and Dodgers in the 100-win club. Matter of fact, the Royals are so bad, Ned Yost is going to retire. All right, um, <laughs> what about parody? Is baseball losing control of, uh, of parody? I think so. There are too many teams that are trying 
actively trying not to win that are tanking. Uh, we're, you know, we're seeing with the Orioles, with the Tigers that you mentioned, who knows what the, what you call what the Marlins are doing. The Royals, uh, they have not had a winning record since winning the World Series uh, in 2015. What, what the Cubs did, what the Astros did, maybe what the Phillies did, even what the Braves did in, in tanking, uh, getting draft picks, uh, accumulating prospects, uh, is seen as the blueprint right now, I think, uh, to winning. But the difference is, is that teams like the Astros and the Braves are really good at player development. I mean, and the Cubs have not been good at player development since then. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Astros uh, have been successful since winning the World Series, where the Cubs have really tailed off here. Uh, but they're, no, they're, they are the haves and the have-nots. There is virtually no middle class right now. Uh, in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, boy. And, and again, Ned Yost re- getting ready to retire at the end of the season. Man, I wouldn't have blamed him if he just called it quits at halfway through the season at this point. But we will catch up, get more on Andy Green, uh, no longer the Padres manager, and get into that on Wednesday's show. Ian, thanks so much, buddy. Appreciate your time and look forward to catching up with you Wednesday. Okay. Can't wait. Thanks, Pat. Me neither. Thanks, man. Ian Castleberry with the Wise Guys. As Pat mentioned, we were supposed to get into the San Diego Padres firing their manager, Andy Green, but we're up against a break. I don't know if we're having another baseball segment this week or not, because Pat usually needs time off for treatment every other week. If so, I'll include it on the next pod. If not, if not, I just want to say that the Padres job could be the most intriguing managerial opening, and there could be as many as five in baseball this offseason. The trend is to hire younger, inexperienced managers who communicate well with players and implement the analytics-fueled strategies of modern front offices. But there are some very accomplished managers available who would have been easy hires for teams five years ago, like Mike Sosha, Joe Girardi, and Buck Showalter. Joe Madden and Bruce Bochy will be on the market too. So does San Diego go in that direction or follow trends and hire a rookie skipper like Mark Loretta Moise Salou or Rod Barajas. If you're a baseball fan, it's worth keeping an eye on. If not, the past couple of minutes just sounded like... You know, there were so many things I wanted to discuss on this podcast had I not gone into a stare at the wall briefly get back into video games, sleep in until late in the morning, sift through boxes that haven't been unpacked in 10 years, experiment cooking with sous vide, let my beard grow longer to reflect personal trauma cocoon for a couple of months. Such as, John Beeline left as Michigan basketball coach. That sucks! Former Michigan star Jawan Howard was hired as Michigan's basketball coach. That could be cool. Spider-Man Far From Home was fun. Sony taking Spidey back from Marvel is disappointing, but it could work out. A black female James Bond. Okay, but don't take the bait. It's a story point. A clever one, though, given the reaction. The upcoming Marvel movies look cool. Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu? Hell yeah! And sign me up for Disney Plus already. Will we ever have some form of gun control in this country? Rest in peace, Rutger Hauer. You were one of the best movie villains of the 1980s. All those moments will be lost in time like tears in rain time to die 
Swamp Thing on DC Universe was promising, but ultimately a big letdown. The Red Sox fired Dave Dombrowski. We still love him in Detroit, but he spent too much money and Boston might lose Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez because of it. Jeffrey Wright will be a great commissioner or Lieutenant Jim Gordon in the next Batman movie. I know that news was this week, so it's not really catching up, but I didn't know where else to say it on the show. Okay, I think that catches me up. Oh, I also binged a bunch of TV while in my cocoon of shame. Fleabag, Killing Eve, The Chef Show, Mindhunter, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, and Succession and The Good Place. I can have current discussions with people online in real life about those two shows now. I don't have to be left out. Ya basic? Not anymore. Okay, we're really going to end this now. But I have to note three sad passings that I should have addressed in last week's podcast revival. Fred McLeod, the TV voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers, was a longtime sportscaster in Detroit on Channel 2, Channel 4, Pass, and Fox Sports Detroit. He provided many of the highlights and commentary as I grew into becoming a sports fan. He was 67 years old. Eddie Money, one of the truly underrated rockers of the 1980s, I believe. Such a distinct voice, and he often made goofy faces when rocking out in music videos. You know, kids, when we were young, we had to call into radio stations to request the songs we wanted to hear. We didn't have your Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon Music. And I called in a bunch of times to hear, Think I'm in Love, I Want to Go Back, or Take Me Home Tonight. Eddie Money was 70. Enrico Kasich. If you grew up on MTV, you grew up watching The Cars. To my recollection, they were one of the first bands to realize what could be done with the music video form, to tell stories and use animation and special effects rather than just showing a band performing. Such a quirky voice, such a distinct sound. A little new wave, a little punk, some classic rock and power pop. The Cars were a great American rock band. And Okasik was a rock institution who also made an impact as a producer, overseeing bands like Weezer, No Doubt, Bad Religion, and Not A Surf, among many others on studio albums. What a career. What a legacy. Rick Okasik was 75 years old, we think. Rock in peace, all of you. And that's the podcast. Thank you for listening. And you know what? Thanks to Rod Stewart, too. Please reach out at thepodcast at gmail.com or our Facebook page at thepodcast. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-S. Was I not understanding enough about my former podcast partner? Let me know. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at thepodcast. We're doing this again soon. Until then, be excellent to each other. Let the